Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your book, Meet Cute. Today, we're doing a very special episode, a bonus pod with Jenny Hogan um, before the release of her new book. So Jenny Hogan is a writer and stand-up comedian. She's written for The New Yorker, Atlantic, New York Times, and McSweeney's, as well as the collection Toxic Femininity in the Workplace. So her new collection is absolutely hilarious. It's called I'm More Dateable Than a Plate of Refried Beans, and it comes out May 3rd from Chronicle Books. So I wanted her to read a little bit for us, and then we're going to talk about books and comedy and all sorts of fun stuff. Ginny, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. All right. Could you read just a little bit for us? Sure. So this is a piece called Dating app questionnaires that reflect what I'd actually want to know about a potential partner. I'm going to let out a blood-curdling scream next time a dating app asks me if I prefer hamsters to mice. Mice. Duh. Who among us hasn't been traumatized by losing the third grade class hamster? I've gone on approximately too many terrible first dates, and it's because dating apps aren't asking the right questions to filter for the right type of people I'd actually want to go out with. Here are some recommendations for some more relevant cues. Number one, can we watch all of Love Island in a row, British and American? Can you name all five Spice Girls? No Googling. Sports? Do you do or watch them? More importantly, will you ever make me? What's your stance on doing dishes? What's your stance on respecting people? Pro, con, or libertarian? Do you regularly interrupt people in conversation? Do you still watch your ex's Instagram stories? Will you still watch my Instagram stories? Within an hour of me posting them? Maybe 45 minutes. Will you hug my mom? But not in like a weird way. You know what I mean? Like some people hug moms just a little too tightly. Do you want my kids? I don't know why Hinge doesn't specify the my. Are you a bot? And I don't mean like a computer program. I mean like, do you have emotional intelligence? Is it okay if I'm in a bad mood 70% of the time? 95%. What color are your bed sheets? This is just to confirm you have them. Also, I sometimes like to match my outfit to them, so please try to have them not be orange. Have you ghosted anyone in the past 48 months? Are you open to committing to a relationship in the next five to seven years? Do you use the term tied down to describe the experience of being in a stable relationship with a loving partner? Because to me, it evokes imagery of being tied to an actual bed. Are you kind? Oh, sorry. I didn't finish typing the last one. Are you kind of a dick? (laughs) Thank you, Jenny. I absolutely adored that. Um, Mostly because when we were putting together the podcast, you know, we went through lists and lists of all of these dating app questions, (laughs) trying to pick out which ones would be most relevant for our questionnaire to see, you know, what are we going to ask people to figure out who they really are to, to set them up with books? And honestly, I would steal like some of these even for not finding a romantic partner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What, what in your opinion is the best dating app for actually getting to know someone's personality? I honestly only use Hinge. Um, I don't like it, but I think I, I hate it less than the others. Um, My big frustration about Hinge though, is that I feel like the prompts lead everyone to try to be funny um, and I just don't think that everyone was meant to be funny. You know, like, I feel like it, it forces people to prioritize wit. And I think that it would be better if people were their authentic selves. Like, if they're funny, yeah, be funny. But if not, then you don't need these prompts to, like, be goofy. 
I would say that that's my general frustration with Hinge, but I do think the people who use it are most likely to be looking for an actual romantic partner. So in that sense, I prefer it. Do you often date guys? I'm trying to think of how to phrase this because I'm sure that like the funniness quotient is like a real challenge to dating relationships because you're funnier than most people. Like that's just uh, because it's your job, you know? Um, When does that tension usually come up? Is it while you're still in the chatting phase? Is it when you start like actually going on dates with people? Like when, when does that, you know, typically like hit? I think it's like, well, definitely I can, I'll just not respond to people who are trying too hard to be funny if they're not succeeding. I think something that like people who match with me on dating apps don't understand is that I don't really actually care that much that my partner be funny. Um, I'm a comedian, like all my friends are funny. I'm like around humor all the time and I don't really necessarily need more of it. I want to date someone with a good sense of humor who's not too serious, but I often think that they kind of try too hard to make jokes or get a little bit competitive about joke making. And that can be very, um, that can be a turnoff. Like, I really want someone who's like, authentic. And if I were listing my top like five things I'm looking for, funny wouldn't be one of them. Yeah, that makes complete sense. You know, this collection, if you pick it up, I think it's, it's so funny. And it covers everything from the horror of dating, but also the the weirdness of being in a relationship and the horror of people assuming you want to be in a relationship. So you know, how did you put together this collection? Did you, you know, write all the pieces first? Did you write the themes? You know, how did you emotionally like plot, like which sections you wanted to hit? I wrote a proposal that's about a third of the book. Um, And for me with writing satire, it's definitely writing the individual pieces is the easy part. And finding an arc for the book is the hard part. So I, I kind of, at first, I think I had more of a personal bent where I wanted it to feel like it reflected my own take on relationships but that was such a moving target that I thought it might be better to just go through like the the phases of a relationship and I think relationships have a lot of phases that we don't talk about like there's the phase where you think you're gonna break up with them and then recover from that you know and there's like the phase where it's really boring and where it's fun again and where you don't think you want to date ever again and everything um so I wanted it to be like to kind of do a sweeping view of a perspective someone might have on relationships that sort of lives outside of one single relationship. In terms of actually plotting it, though, I I wrote a lot of the pieces before I kind of figured out what the arc would be. Um, And then some of them kind of didn't work in the arc or had to be adjusted and and new pieces came to my mind to fit the arc. But um, yeah, the arc, I think, is like the, the part that's really challenging for me. You talk a little bit about this in the epilogue, but what was it like to work on this collection during the pandemic? I mean, you talk about the the sort of publication process starting in March 2020, which makes it, you know, a little weirder to get uh, material, I'm sure. I mean, I was so grateful to get to work on this book during the pandemic because I needed something that would really occupy me, but um, also that I felt like competent doing. And satire, I think, is one of the things I'm most comfortable writing. So while I did have days of being really stuck on trying to figure out the arc, I also felt like if I had, if I knew a piece that I was going to write, then the task of actually writing it was um, relatively straightforward. And that was really, really helpful for me in the pandemic. It almost felt like at the time that I was writing it, which was like super lockdown, um, way before the vaccines and everything, it felt like almost like the only thing I could have done. In terms of like generating material, I, um, I think I've dated so many people that I it, I don't need to be like actively dating. I kind of am just, I, I feel like I'm running through all my past relationships on a loop in my brain all the time anyways. Oh, this feels like a really ideal pandemic project. 
Well, how do you get in the frame of mind to write humor generally, whether for this collection or anything? I don't, that's a really good question. Writing humor is like my default frame of mind. Not in that I'm like so funny and just spitting out jokes, but that like there's something about satire that feels more contained for me because it's like 800 word pieces. It's almost like on days when I have writing writer's block from something longer or something that requires like, you know, character development or deeper themes, then I'll, I'll work on pieces to submit to the New Yorker, which is sort of a similar style to, to the pieces in this book. One thing that maybe people who don't write satire don't, don't realize is that actually once you have an idea for a satire piece, writing the piece itself doesn't so much require you to think of jokes. It really requires you to like put yourself in the mindset of what the premise of the piece is and then kind of like speak truth from that place. And to me, that feels like an easier way to think about things than trying to like get into a character's brain, for example. Let's dig into books. Um, So some book recommendations, let's trade back and forth some books that sort of feed you or maybe books that make you laugh. What are you reading that's exciting you right now? Um, I loved a book called uh, A Man Called Ove um, by Friedrich Bachman. Do you know him? Yes, that's one of my favorite books. <laughs> it's so good. And then I read, well, I first read Anxious People, which I loved. And then I read A Man Called Ove, which I like super loved. And then um, and then I read Beartown, which I didn't love as much as the other two, but I still really liked and I would consider myself a huge fan of his. It reminded me of Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which is just, I think, one of the sweetest books of all time. I, have you read that one? Yes. Yeah. And those are definitely all in the same framework of these. Yes. Characters that sort of seem unlikable at first, and then as you get into their backstory and get to know them better, and you get up close and personal, and it really changes how you see um, see them. Yeah, I love those kinds of books. Definitely, and it also like those books are so empathetic because it's like if you you realize that that could be anyone that you don't like, and they're such a like powerful meditation on loneliness. and And both of those books made me cry, which is very rare for a book, I would say, especially a novel. I also love The Dutch House. Did you read that? You know, if you ever want to explore it again, have you listened to it as an audiobook? I actually only listened to it as an audiobook. Okay, so yeah, same. Really read it was an exaggeration, but the Tom Hanks, amazing. Oh, Tom Hanks. I mean, it changes. <laughs> if Tom Hanks could read every book to me, I think it would probably be better. I don't think he has the so time good. for that. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. Sorry, I did two in a row. I would love it. No, no, I love it because I love how they fit within the same theme. Um, You know, books that sort of also fit within that frame. Have you read anything by TJ Klune at all? No. Okay. So I would recommend, um, I'm listening to it literally right now. I had to pause it to go get ready to record this. (laughs) Um, I'm listening to Under the Whispering Door by TJ Kuhn. And it's another one of those books where you start with a very unlikable character, get to know their backstory, but they also undergo this significant change. And what's different about this particular book is that his change takes place after death. You have this very unlikable person and he dies within the first chapter of the book. And so he has to relive his life and um, change his personality as he's undergoing that. So I'm in the middle of that right now. I mean, TJ Klune just writes really moving, but also deeply hilarious um, books that are fantasy elements in them, but also feel like book club reads, which I think is just an enviable type of book to write. Very much so. Yeah. Oh, I love I. Okay. That's awesome. What else do you like? This summer was obsessed with Barbara Pym. Oh, you know her. Um, 
her excellent women is really really funny excellent women was definitely the one i thought was the funniest she's like this sort of like salty woman in um the uk in the 50s and she just writes these female characters who are so they're just so like kind of spunky but still very conventional and she kind of writes about like singleton and like being single at a period of time when like being single was considered a failure for women um these women are described as like excellent women if they're like the ladies of the church who never get single and and just stay very dutiful to the church and kind of like it's such a derogatory term because it's like praising them for being very consistent and not having any needs and or anything like that yeah well, i've <laughs> always like wanted to pick up one of her books so that seems like a really good place to start as like a pairing, uh, I don't know if you had picked up Cheat Day yet by Liv Stratton. No. Okay, Cheat so this Day? book, it's called Cheat Day. Um, and the cover of the hardcover looks like this piece of cake, like a Ooh. heart-shaped cake. Um, and it looks like it might be something like a rom-com, and it's absolutely not. It's um, a book about college sweethearts, and it's told from the perspective of the woman, Kit, who has disordered eating habits, um, but also is deciding whether or not to cheat on her husband. Um, And and it's so, so funny, actually. Um, Just the the character and getting deep into her head. She also has some of those quote unquote, deeply unlikable, you know, kinds of character um, characteristics, but she's not necessarily as redeemable as some of the other characters that we talked about, but in such a satisfying way, you just love inhabiting her, her head and her voice. And it's one of those books that I recommend to people who are deeply jaded, um, but also love to laugh. (laughs) It's really, really good. Okay. I'm going to get that. I have disordered eating habits that are kind of like up, up and down in their intensity. And I think I'm like fascinated by it as like a, um, a thing you just live with, you know, like it's like, I feel like when I learned about them as not that I'm not in treatment, but like that, you know, there are people who is just a part of their life and there are other parts of their life too. And it, it kind of comes and goes and affects things in various ways, but it doesn't have to like be an all encompassing thing at all times. So I'm very fascinated by it as being like, one component of of someone else's broader narrative that sounds great yeah so it's it's really good it's also very like as someone who do you live in new york right now or do you live in la i do i live in new york right now okay so it's also just very centered and placed in new york so it's really satisfying to read such a good place centered book as well cool um is I, I also, I, the covers of books are so interesting to me. I listen to a lot on audio, so I don't really like process the cover, but sometimes um, one, okay, I really love this writer, J. Courtney Sullivan. Do you know mm, her books? Mm-hmm. They're so yeah. fun. Like they're kind of a mix of, they're, they're somewhat literary, but they're somewhat, you know, they're they're, yeah. kind of, they're fun books. Yeah. And one, one of her books that I loved is called Maine and the cover of it oh. is so funny. Okay, so I didn't know what the cover was. <laughs> because I got it on audio and then I went on Goodreads and all of the reviews were like so the book is like a dark book about like an Irish Catholic family with like a lot of abuse and alcoholism and like multi-generational trauma yes um, fighting over beach house and the Goodreads reviews were all like this book is not what I was expecting and then I looked at the cover and it's like a blonde lady on a beach and I'm like yes I know (laughs) I know with this like beautiful font it's like curly cute at the top yeah yeah yeah. I guess in terms of book recommendations I went through a breakup like two months ago and I needed books that like captured my attention fully but didn't weren't like 
you know, extremely heavy. And I, I really liked hers. I really liked Emma Straub. Like I felt like they Mm -hmm. were just like books that were just like perfect pieces of entertainment, like, and which I think books should be fun, you know, and sometimes I'm in the mood to read something like super heavy. Maine is pretty heavy, but it's still like a, it's not like a terribly, um, difficult read. Like you can kind of get it pretty fast. And I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to sink into books like that. It it's really just, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get fully immersed in other people's problems. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Well, I am so excited for your book, Jenny. I think people should pick it up no matter what stage of um, singledom or relationship that they are in and how they feel about it. It, it definitely made me laugh more than once. And I am a, a long-established, boring married lady. So... <laughs> It's really Thank you so much. I really collection. appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and where can people find you on the internet? I'm Ginny Hogan underscore on Twitter and Instagram. It's it's hard to miss me on Twitter. I tweet like every five minutes. Yeah. She is 100% worth a follow. It's always really <laughs> hilarious and ridiculous. So <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I'm yes. glad I got all these great recommendations. Thanks for listening to Blind Date with a Book. Our show is produced and co-hosted by Kristen Evans, Rachel Mans McKenney, and Elena Nicolau. Our showrunner is Rachel Mans McKenney, and our sound editor is Elena Nicolau. Kristen Evans handles web design and newsletter production. Our theme music was written by Alex Bozzi, and our logo was designed by Chelsea Hill. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review Blind Date with a Book on Apple Podcasts. Ratings make it even easier for other listeners to find us and join the fun. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest and more books to recommend. Until then, we hope you're falling for the next book on your TBR pile, whatever it might be.